One, one, two. No, we not uh, got to an advanced version of Binary Code. It is episode 112. Welcome to another edition of Hockey the Podcast, your favorite sporting podcast, your favorite hockey podcast, your favorite podcast, full stop. Hopefully, if it's not, well, it should be. I'm Derek Alberts, as always, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, my colleague, my partner in crime, uh, the man, the myth, the legend, Tyron Jabu Barnard. How are you doing, Ty? Yeah, good day, Derek. What a great day it's been. It's not raining today. Uh, my solar um, solar panels have worked because we got sun. So even if Escom take away the power, <laughs> they cannot take away my freedom. <laughs> that was brilliant. <laughs> you know, you know what? I, I I'm very lucky, and I know that that you're in the same boat. And uh, yeah, emphasis on boat, given the fact that uh, Joburg has pretty much been one giant uh, sea uh, of late. But I uh, I was away this weekend over at KZN. And at home, I'm lucky in that uh, we've got uh, a couple of, uh, we've got electricity options when ESCOM doesn't come to the party, which is pretty much all the time. And uh, I haven't really felt the brunt of load shedding over the last uh, couple of years. And I know that, that you're in a, a similar position. But this weekend we were in KZN and the place that I was staying at, that we were staying at, uh, didn't have uh, some options other than ESCOM. They could only rely on ESCOM. So they did take away our freedom. And man, it was terrible, uh, particularly in KZN because you know how hot and humid it can get. And when those fans switch off at 2 a.m. for four hours, you, you can't sleep. It's impossible. And uh, yeah, so... I, for the last couple of years, I haven't really felt the full effects of load shedding, uh, but now my heart goes out to everyone that does. Man, it's, it's painful. Yeah, it, it's painful, and it's frankly uh, cuck. Yeah. yeah. I'm allowed to credit because this is a radio show, so it's fun. It was cuck. It's, it's not fun. And, do you know, um, yeah, I, I'd, I'm not sure um, what the future for them is, but the sooner I can get somewhat off the grid, the, the better. Because uh, there's nothing worse than having a game of hockey about to start being televised by Supersport. And then ESCOM says you can't watch. Mm. No, I agree. And, and any sport for that matter. And, and just, uh, it's just so rubbish. Uh, and you summed it up perfectly, taking away your freedom. I mean, it's almost like, okay, cool. It's, it's another version of lockdown. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're going to be stuck at home and you literally can't do anything. You can't cook hot food. You can't do anything. You can sit there and, and play some chess, but only by candlelight. Yes, but remember, if life hands you a lockdown, turn it into a sports quiz. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sports quiz and pineapple beer. Uh, uh, Ty, but uh, moving over to, to a place... And, I mean, I don't want to disparage the country because it is a beautiful country. It's uh, one of my all-time favorites. Uh, but I remember when lockdown first started to hit South Africa badly, 
uh, I read um, a kind of DIY on how to survive load shedding, and it was written by a Zimbabwean. And they said they've been experiencing this for years, and this is what you need to do. And I actually printed that out, and I stuck it on my fridge. Um, and I, I think that, that Zimbabwe still feel it a bit harder than we do. I, I hope they don't. But uh, we are privileged to, to have on the show a Zimbabwean. Yeah, and, and not just any Zimbabwean, Derek. I mean, of course, uh, I've known uh, Sarah for a couple of years now. Uh, you got to meet Sarah when we played a very, 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 very important uh, cricket test match with hockey sticks in the middle of the Indo-African Cup, um, where she actually had one of the better partnerships of the day with you. Yes. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Sarah, you know, she's exactly the kind of uh, kind of guest we want to tell the story of, because uh, right throughout we have profiled a number of players, coaches, and umpires, and she ticks a different box, and that is technical official. And she's not just your uh, your ordinary technical official who's uh, got a good stopwatch, but she's seen the world because of this. I mean, and she sat as the timing judge in Tokyo for the men's Olympic gold medal match, something truly remarkable, not just for Zimbabwe, but for African hockey in general. So, uh, Sarah, now that we have floated your boat, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ty and Derek, for having me. Uh, Sarah, we must just ask, uh, do you remember um, between Derek and I, which was the more intimidating bowler in that test? Yeah, I've got to be careful how I answer that one, hey? (laughs) (laughs) Ty, I'd say you, hey? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Derek. You see, my bowling technique, your douche that you throw was more douche than ra. No, no, Hopefully no, the no. Next time you meet, it's improved. Sarah, Sarah, so I've got this famous delivery, and it's called the Medusa. And every batter that faces it turns to stone. But thankfully, I saved you and everyone else that day from bowling it. So you haven't quite felt the full wrath of my attack. Uh, but I'll, okay. I'll, gi- I'll give this one to Ty. But next time, the, the Medusa shall make its presence felt. Next time, I'll make sure I warm up correctly. <laughs> Listen, in fairness, Derek, your batting was far better than mine. I was an edge waiting to happen. Uh, yeah, uh, you, you know, it was just so wonderful that, that day uh, because it was in between hockey games and we'd been there for a long time and there's always that, that question of whether we want to leave and, and, and go back to the hotel and, and probably spend like an hour there or just stay. And we opted to stay because also we had all the equipment there so it, it would have been easier not than, than packing up. And it just proceeded to develop into this uh, spontaneous cricket match, which initially thought, okay, cool, this is going to be 10 minutes of fun, turned into three hours of proper competitive cricket. And, uh, yeah, don't be so hard on yourself, Ty. Uh, two runs, still two runs. I mean, it's, it's not a duck. No, it's two runs more than <laughs> David Warner scored. In- exactly. <laughs> anyway, this is not cricket the podcast it is hockey the podcast and you know uh, i mean sarah your your cv is one that is truly truly remarkable i mean it's culminated in the fact that you uh were in fact the timing judge as you as as i've already alluded to at the tokyo olympic games i mean take us through your olympic experience and, and how special it was to be in tokyo even though they weren't fans well, Ty, um, first of all, just the fact that it happened 
obviously when COVID all started, we thought, oh, that's it. You've been appointed to the Olympics. You might actually never get there. So when they managed to pull it off and they did a very good job at that, it, it was out of this world, even without the fans, the fact that everything ran to clockwork, they didn't have power cuts, mm-hmm. the internet worked, everything was just so. Um, immaculate, a very clean country, very friendly people. And obviously meeting up with all the officials that we hadn't seen in two to three years and being able to just catch up on life in general and each other and what everybody's been up to. Yeah, and, and I mean, if you if you look at the actual experience, I mean, it's it's a tough tournament. And as officials, you often work, you know, like, like people think, okay, you're working on the men's game or the women's game. Obviously, as officials, you work across both. And that often means you, there's not much downtime in between. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, it's actually quite nice that we now do cross-genders um, just to up the ante a little bit because um, the men's game is quite a bit quicker, um, so it keeps you on your toes. But also for myself, um, obviously being from Zimbabwe and our level of hockey internationally that we get to partake in is very limited just to be able to soak up all those international games just sit there and take it all in was fantastic but yes it's very long hours and towards the end of the tournament if you haven't really mentally prepared yourself um that's when mistakes are made well and and again i mean if you look at it it's like you say i mean zimbabwe obviously has a a a fantastic olympic pedigree because of the women back at the first Olympic Games, winning the gold medal. But it hasn't really, you know, we haven't really seen Zimbabwe on the major stage from a playing point of view since then. Um, and, and obviously a number of challenges along the way, a number of facilities, etc. But I think you're a great story for so many aspiring youngsters in the world of hockey that, you know, the way to the top stage is not only through playing, there's officiating, there's umpiring, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I mean, have you got a lot of people approaching you and asking you for advice on, on getting into the officiating side of the game? Um, I have had quite a few people. Obviously, definitely those who know my background is I used to play for our national side when I was younger and fitter. Um, and I could see hockey-wise if I wanted to go further and be able to travel the world and take part in a champions trophy and a indoor world cup. It was never going to happen as a player. Obviously, like you mentioned, there's a few setbacks that happened. So I actually took up, I retired from the umpiring, uh, from the playing and took up umpiring. And I did my first tournament with Michelle in Jubei in 2007 at the Olympic qualifiers. We both got our FIH there. And even then, Michelle is a fantastic umpire in a league of her own. You were also limited on the exposure you were going to get. And it was Minka Woolley from Australia sat me down and said, Sarah, have you thought of going the technical route? So after the Singapore Youth Olympics, that's the route I went and I haven't looked back. You certainly haven't looked back. You know, when we started the show and actually just when we were off air, Ty was asking, where in the world are you? And you said, no, Harari. Uh, but... I mean, you come from Harare, and uh, that would pretty much be an obvious answer, but uh, you said it very matter-of-factly because uh, it's not obvious when it comes to Sarah Bennett because you have travelled the world, the length and breadth of it, uh, representing your country 
in the hockey sphere and uh, and done an amazing job as well. Uh, do you can you count uh, how many countries you've been to, and and not just for hockey, just in general? And um, as we always do, we usually do it a bit late in the show, but given the fact that uh, you are such a jet setter, uh, what ranks uh, amongst your favourite? Oh, the number of countries I've been to. I must say I've done more of the rest of the world than I've done in Africa, which is actually quite sad. It'd be nice if we got some more appointments, big appointments in Africa, like the Junior World Cup that's coming up, which is fantastic. Um, yeah, I've done quite a few. Obviously, Germany, Netherlands, Belgium, the UK, Brazil, Chile. I would like to get to Oceania. A New Zealand appointment would be fantastic. Could tie in visit with a family at the same time. Um, but for me, the Indoor World Cup in Berlin was, it's an experience you can't explain to people, the number of people in a stadium and the atmosphere. That, even among the Olympic Games, I think if the Olympics had had spectators, it might have been a different story. But for me, uh, the Indoor World, uh, Indoor World Cup in Berlin uh, yeah, I've sung the city's praises a number of times on the show, so I won't do it again. But uh, I haven't been there for an indoor world camp, but I have been there. And yeah, I, uh, I certainly concur with your opinions on that wonderful German city. Now, what does the cancellation of the indoor world cup this year mean for the indoor variation of the game? It's a beautiful segue moving on from uh, the, the fact that uh, you, you love the indoor world cup too to this part of of the question um also for us it's like we didn't take zimbabwe didn't take part in the qualifiers um due to a number of reasons mainly financial but for obviously namibia and yourselves we've we have found that it's a sport that enables countries that financially cannot meet the demands of taking a team of 18 players and coaching staff on a tour it's more affordable um, so it's something that's becoming more and more popular in Zimbabwe. As per that um, tournament we had a couple of years ago where we converted a tennis court and South Africa and Namibia took part. So I think it's quite a setback, um, but obviously there's a number of factors that went into consideration, but it's huge in Europe. And yeah, that atmosphere, sadly, I've never seen replaced at a field tournament. Obviously once COVID, hopefully we get to learn how to deal with the norm. Um, we can experience that at, at an outdoor tournament. Yeah, we've seen African countries. I mean, we spoke about Zimbabwe's uh, impact with uh, their various uh, withdrawals, etc. When it comes to to the tournaments, and and it is unfortunate. And and upfront, you spoke about the fact that you haven't been to enough African countries. Uh, I think Thai and I are certainly in that same boat as well. And this is from beyond a sporting spec uh, uh, perspective. This is just in general. And it is rather sad. Uh, it wasn't too long ago we had a, a gentleman who who was involved in the coaching of uh, the Uganda side uh, heading over to to that uh, to the World Cup and. Uh, or to the AFCON, rather. And what do you, do you see it blossoming in future, or do you see it getting worse? Uh, hockey in Africa, uh, of course, we want to say definitely getting better, but uh, is that the case? Um, Derek, look, when I played all those years ago, you were guaranteed at halftime if it was only ten nil, 
that you were down to South Africa, you were having a good game. And that gap seems to have got smaller. Our ladies lost, I think, 3-0 now in Ghana. They lost 2-0 in um, Stellenbosch in 2019. The gap's got smaller. The enthusiasm's grown across Africa. But it comes down to the finances. And it's finding a way to market the hockey to get that buy-in and to be able to sell our product. Because without government funding and corporate support, it's getting to the stage where countries that are paying for themselves can't keep doing it. Yeah, it's a great point, Sarah, because, I mean, you, you brought it up earlier, was that tournament, it was in Harare, it was, I think it was 2019, I was fortunate enough to come with the South African team, um, it was my first uh, first time in Zimbabwe, I'd uh, had a few trips cancelled when I was working with KPMG, unfortunately, but it was... Uh, it was something that I talk about very highly. I mean, you've seen me talk about it highly on social media. It was one of the great experiences as a sports fan, not just as a hockey fan, but as a sports fan, because there at the school on a tennis court, we converted a tennis court into an indoor hockey court, put a marquee up. We had grandstands on the side. We had the singing and the dancing. Uh, we had the lights. It was just something sensational. It was special. It was, you know, incredible to be there, to have indoor hockey being played outdoor. And, and it showed the ability, if you think outside the box, indoor hockey really is a great alternative uh, to the sport. Now, we also know Hockey Fives has uh, been introduced as a variation. I wanted to ask, in your opinion, is, do you think those two can operate in the FIH spectrum together? Or uh, do you think they're kind of uh, barking up the same tree? Um, I think it's obviously what could be taken into consideration is the country's numbers. So for our sake, we're going to have a major problem as we go forward. So, for example, our national women's team. It's got eight under-21s in it, so they're involved in the under-21s as well. They've just been on the women's tour. They've got the Central Southern African qualifiers for all Africa games in August. They Seven of those players are in the indoor team as well, and now we're going to have the hockey fives for the senior team as well. And it's for the smaller countries, you're drawing off the same pool, and so decisions are going to have to be made as to what's viable and what's going to increase your chances of taking part at different tournaments. But I yeah. don't know if it's going to fill the calendar too much. Yeah, that, that was always my concern. I think, you know, indoor hockey doesn't really fill the calendar itself. It's really played as an off-season uh, version of the game. And, uh, yeah, I, I just feel like we, exactly as I said, they said this is the design, this is the hope, is that this is going to entice you know, smaller countries who can't play 11 aside. The problem is you still need an AstroTurf to play this. So, yeah, you know, and and my my issue with Hockey Files, I love any abbreviated form of a game because um, I find it uh, thoroughly enjoyable and watchable. But watching at the Youth Olympic Games, you know, taking away one of the fundamentals, one of the great skills of hockey in a short corner just doesn't feel right. And and then throwing above that, that you could score from anywhere. And I know there's uh, reiterations of these rules that have come about. It just feels almost like a different sport to me. And, and because the outdoor calendar is so full with clubs, it's so full with uh, 
international hockey, it does to me feel like in a developing nation, it's it's almost going to become something like, hey, Zimbabwe, would you like to play indoor or hockey fives? Because you're just not going to have capacity to play both. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's something we're going to have to seriously think about because facilities is a major problem. We've only got the one, so we've got two turfs in Arari and they're both at private schools. And we've got a government facility in Bulawayo, and that's all we've got to keep the hockey going. Um, we don't have an indoor facility, and that's why we had to do a makeshift plan on a tennis court. So it's decisions we're going to have to make, especially when you, like I said, you're drawing off the same pool of players. Um, with it being involved in the Youth Olympics, it exposed young players. Quite a few of our players got scholarships from taking part in the Youth Olympics. So maybe on that side, it be kept at a youth level. So it'll be interesting to see how the hockey fives takes off at a senior level. Yeah, and of course, it starts in uh, Switzerland later this year, the World Cup in 2023 in Oman, Muscat in Oman. Um, so it, it, look, it's, it's a, a sport that's definitely gaining some legs. Um, I know we've touched on it, but... Uh, do you think uh, the Indoor World Cup should have been cancelled or they should have done something to try and postpone it rather? Um, yeah. It'd be interesting to find out what the thought pattern was. Um, I think the concern would have been where were you going to try and fit it in the calendar? Or they could have gone with the option like they've done for the Junior World Cup and postponed. But looking at what has to be fitted into the rest of the year, I'm not sure when it would have been fitted in. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a fair point. So the calendar is uh, chock a block full, um, and uh, you know that's uh, an administrator's nightmare. No, definitely. Even with what we've got to try and cover, just on the Africa hockey level this year, um, with all the tournaments that are taking part, is is going to take strain on national associations. So yeah, um, it would have been good to know the thought pattern because I have been following it on Twitter. Um, but I'm sure there's good reasons behind it. Um, and hopefully the next Indoor World Cup can actually take place. Interesting phrasing of question there from Ty, saying it would be an administrator's nightmare because, uh, frankly, you could have just said it would have been your nightmare because you are an administrator with African hockey. Uh, tell us a bit more about that role. I'm chair up the development subcommittee um, on Africa hockey. And I took over that role after the Congress in Stellenbosch in 2019. And it's basically to get coaches across Africa and officials just to up the ante and up the standard and sharing of knowledge. And, and how have you found the work? Uh, I can imagine it's extremely fulfilling. Um, maybe a tad frustrating at times. Yeah, we had to do quick adjustments with COVID which actually helped us to a certain degree because we were able to deliver online courses uh, with the help of FIH and Asia Hockey. And this ensured that we could deliver it across Africa as long as there was an internet connection. So this reduced the cost so more people could take part. So we had over a 1,000 participants in the last 18 months on the courses that we've been running. And... We had our first face-to-face -face courses in Ghana at the Africa Cup of Nations. And it was good to be able to do it face-to-face, -face, but the costs involved 
are obviously at a higher price. So it has highlighted to us you can do stuff online and you don't have to have meetings in person. Yeah, we keep on speaking about how there's no question that, that COVID has had a, a devastating impact on the world over, uh, be it health-wise, be it financial, be it uh, anything really. Uh, but there are some very rare silver linings, and one of which is it has made us adapt very quickly in being able to do our jobs. And uh, the internet has been uh, an absolute savior in that regard. And and it is amazing how, how we have, and I've, we've had, coaches on here where they've conducted training sessions for months on end online where they haven't seen their players face to face for almost a year and they said it's incredible how we have managed but it's interesting where you start of saying as long as they've got a, an internet connection and, and it sounds fairly simple but again in Africa not so much uh, an internet connection is, is certainly a luxury not a, not a necessity yeah no definitely an internet connection and um and like you guys touched on earlier, you've got to have electricity as well. That's mm. an added advantage. And that seems to be a major problem in Southern Africa. And yeah, your internet as well. A lot of the courses we had guys who were hotspotting off their phones or using their mobile phones to take part. And yeah, but you make it work. And it's something we're going to look forward to for the future is the level one uh theory side of it is delivering it online to reduce the time factor of how long you have to do face-to-face what was that face-to-face meeting like over in ghana uh could you tell a marked difference in terms of how the participants reacted to to the teachings yeah definitely there was more interaction you got to you got to draw in people because sadly with the online people can hide behind a screen. Mm. So you're not getting the full picture and the the full in, intake and input from them. Whereas when it's face to face, it's the body language. You can pull them into a conversation if you can see them drifting off. And so yeah, way more interactive. Sarah, we were asking you off air, but uh, yeah, speaking back online, what what is the the next appointments hopefully for you and and where are you looking to go next in the world so um hopefully if things improve um maybe a pro league appointment i'm not going to south africa um because i couldn't do the bubble for the three week periods which i fully understand is if things open up as maybe a pro league appointment but it would most likely be overseas um because the south african home games will have been completed so that's very limited, but I have been appointed to the Men's World Cup um, in India in January next year. Um, yeah, okay, so the World Cup, that's in India. Ha- have you been to India before? No, I haven't, so Ooh. this should, should be a good one, yes. Ooh. So your, uh, your cricket playing forte there will actually... Yes. I'm going to have to get practicing. Well, well, I, I can tell you, and, and Derek has been, I've never been, uh, the, the, the hope is that uh, if it all works out, I'll be joining the SA men in India. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a country where hockey, I mean, hockey is obviously on a high now, getting the, the bronze medal at the Olympic Games. Yeah. Cricket is religion, and, and so much so that you don't even need to be a cricket player to be mistaken for one. Hey, Derek? No, no, not at all. 
uh, at all. If, if, you, if you just live in the vicinity of a hotel that houses uh, a couple of cricketers, then you will certainly be mistaken for one. And as much as you try your best to convince all and sundry that you're not, it will fall on deaf ears because I had to take selfie after selfie after selfie after selfie with fans who were absolutely convinced that uh, they were having their photos taken with a well-known SA cricketer. Of course, it wasn't the case, but uh, my pictures still adorn the walls of uh, young Calcutta and Delhi residents uh, as they aspire to be like me, which a little do they know. Uh, when, apart from my Medusa, there's a very little cricketing talent in this body. <laughs> um, Sarah, do you, I mean, we spoke about your next role, but I know that Ty alluded to it up front, speaking about your very large CV, but if you had to condense it into the next two minutes, uh, would you be able to summarize uh, how many hats you've worn in the hockey world? I can give it my best shot. Go for it. Um, the clock's ticking. Go for it. Okay, so I am Secretary of the Hockey Association of Zimbabwe. I start my 19th year of that this year. Um, I'm Deputy Head at Aerial School, and I'm involved with Africa Hockey, where I chair the Development Subcommittee. I'm also on the Development Committee for FIH, and I'm a co-opted member on the Zimbabwe Olympic Committee for their development. Um, of technical and coaching officials. Yeah, I have many hats, having played for the national team as well, having got my FIH umpires badge and now doing the technical side. And now I play Zimbabwe Masters hockey because I've got a little bit older and a little bit wiser. Yeah, it, it's amazing because you, you keep the playing facts uh, down to the bottom. I mean, uh, let's not shy away from from that those achievements because yeah you, you're an extremely accomplished player in your own right and and it just has kind of been hidden away in the background given your achievements from an administrator point of view uh yet from a playing side uh, i think we kind of skirted over that but uh yeah you you certainly earned your stripes uh, as a player yeah i played for under 16 under 18 and at 21s, we qualified for the Junior World Cup in 2005 and went to Chile. And then the national side with Olympic qualifiers and test series. So, yeah, I got quite a few caps there. And, yeah, then decided umpiring was the way to go for a little bit. And and having worn so many different hats, which hat did you feel fit, fitted, fit, fit best? Is it fit? It's just fit, eh? Fit, yeah, fit. Yep. You don't have to cut this out because it just sounds so weird to me right now when I said that, which had fit best. But <laughs> I, I so badly wanted to say fitted and then shouted my son, it's fit, not fitted. <laughs> but anyway, now that I'm having a conversation in my head, which hat did you enjoy wearing the most? <laughs> um, I did enjoy playing, um, but it definitely the technical now. It's a challenge and... It's an approach I've taken lately is um, you've got to treat every game as though it's your last. So you go out there, you give it your all and treat it like it's your last and take in the experience, take in the culture, take in the people and just make the most of it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I was a very average player. I wasn't close to a national team. I played a little bit of district hockey, which uh, is underneath provincial 
Um, I uh, I did coach provincially and umpire provincially. Uh, I mean, there's something special about playing, and there's something special about. I mean, I was a defender, but scoring a goal was a, a special moment, and you always remember those. I remember all six in my whole life. Um, but uh, for me, it was always the coaching. I, I loved coaching. I just loved being on the side and helping people develop. And, and I mean, I see a lot of that in you in terms of how passionate you are about developing other people involved in the game. And and it's it's a really cool thing to see. And, and I think uh, you and the greater African hockey have uh, really stepped that up over the past couple of years, you know, responding very well to COVID in terms of... of using it as an opportunity to educate even more. Yeah, um, and we've just got to find a way to try and inspire some youth. Like um, Derek talked about all the different hats I wear. is Because it's all vol- on a voluntary basis, you're very limited in finding people that are going to put their hands up and share the load. Uh, so it's just got to find a way to get the enthusiasm out there to get youngsters who want to take one of those caps away from you and run with it because um, there's only so much you can give. And if it gets to the stage where you spread yourself too thin, you're not giving anything a hundred percent. And that is one of my worries. And, and again, uh, I mean, if you had to step back now, if you, I'm not going to ask you to drop anything, but if we said just focus on one of those hats right now, which, which one really pulls at the heart the most? At the moment, it would be my job, the school. Oh, that is oh. that is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. at the mo- I start my twentieth year in May. Wow. Yeah, straight out of straight out of school, did my A levels, and I had immigrated to New New Zealand for four months with my parents, and I said, "This is not for me. I'm going back to Zimbabwe." And the school put me through everything. My university degree, they paid for everything. So yeah, I start my twentieth year in May. Those stories are very rare, Sarah, in the folks that, that do go over, have a taste of, of, I hate to say it, but so-called first world countries and say, no, my heart's in Africa. And they, they, you hear about them, but not often enough. And, and I do love to hear it. Uh, was it. Was it open and shut case? You just had to be back home? Yeah, I, within four months, I borrowed money for my air ticket home. And I just said to my folks, and my sister's there as well, I said, this is not for me. Um, And I haven't looked back. It's not easy. The fact I try to see them once a year, and obviously with COVID and nobody allowed in and out of New Zealand, um, that's been a problem. Um, But as soon as those borders open up again, I will pop over. But yeah, no regrets. Oh, that's wonderful. And yeah, it has been very, very tough at New Zealand. I see that the latest announcement, they're looking at around September 2022, uh, where they're going to open the borders. So Australia have just to open them now. Uh, hopefully, that is not the case, and it does open a lot sooner. Uh, we've got uh, a business partner who's unfortunately stuck in limbo at the moment because of the Cricket World Cup, the Ladies' Cricket World Cup. He's supposed to be over there, but uh, yeah, they're just denying all and sundry. So, yeah, it has been extremely tough, and we do wish you all the best in your search and your ambition to, to go see your folks over in the, the land of the long white cloud. Sarah, it's been so, so good having you on the show. No, thank you for having me, and thank you for the chats. And it's just great to see the promotion of hockey through these different mediums. Yeah, I promise you it's, 
it's really, really easy for Ty and I. We get, uh, we, we get congratulated on this a lot. And uh, seriously, it's, it's very little from our side. We just love talking about the sport. And it's certainly the guests that make it. And uh, Ty, another great one tonight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm even going to tell you what just happened there. But... <laughs> Uh, I actually, I, I think I sound like I'm drunk and I've had nothing to drink in like two years. It's, it's Well, <laughs> actually, I, I will tell you this very quickly. So, because uh, they're probably both not coaches much longer with the change in boards and stuff. But uh, when we were in Zimbabwe, we we, uh, we were having a, a glass of wine with Trevor Cormack and Lenny Buerta, uh, Brati Mashaba and myself. And then the restaurant said, no, we're going to close now. So I said, you know, we're enjoying this. Just give us two bottles of wine. And then uh, they gave us two bottles of wine and they closed everything. And then we finished the two bottles of wine. Then we found two more bottles of wine somewhere. Um, Definitely in Zimbabwe. Yeah, then we found another two bottles of wine. And, uh, of course, my plan the whole night had been to just keep filling Trevor and Lenny's glasses and – Unfortunately, Brighty was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and, and managed to see what I was doing and kept filling my glass. And uh, it's to this day, I think that's why I gave up drinking was the wine headache I had the next day um, was not enjoyable. And the band playing, uh, the banging their drums the next morning was, uh, was, was not as impressive as it had been all week for me. But, uh, yeah, look, it's uh, a really terrible story to end a wonderful interview. <laughs> Sarah, thank you very much for the time and uh, uh, fitting us in. I know, uh, as, as you said, you are you are a busy person, tons of stuff happening. Um, but it's always great to chat and it's, you know, it's always a good time to chat with you and, and, and hear about your journey. And, and once again, to those listening, you know, follow the example. You know, if... I mean, I look, I, I was never good enough as a player. I was never quite good enough as a coach. But here I am traveling around the world, traveling around the country with the game of hockey. You know, there's always avenues uh, to to take your story, to, to tell your story, to make a gap. And uh, it just requires some intuition, some initiative, and, uh, of course, some hard work. And I think you are an example of all of those. So... Congratulations on a wonderful career so far. And uh, thank you for the wonderful ambassador you are for the game of hockey in this continent. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, and hopefully we get to see you both face-to-face sometime soon. And yeah, look forward to following all your other episodes. Number 113 next. (laughs) Yeah, you you can close out. Uh, You heard it from Sarah first. 113 next. And yeah, I spoke about those silver linings. Uh, It's certainly nice that we are able to to do things like this online and not in person. But yeah, Sarah, as you said, far rather be doing this in person and hopefully we can do that soon. Thanks uh, so much for listening to another episode of Hockey the Podcast. As you heard from Sarah, 113 coming up. That's a wrap for 112. Cheers.